I think that one of the biggest misconceptions might be that nurse practitioners do everything that the MD tells them to do or that the physician tells them to do. Hi, this is your host, Dr. Richard Marn, and you're listening to Health Careers with Dr. Marn. This show is for students and advisors or anyone interested in a health career, and we pull back the curtain of the many health career opportunities out there. We learn what it's really like to work in various health-related careers as we interview professionals from various fields. In this episode, you're going to learn how a particular advanced degree in nursing can allow this particular nurse to write prescriptions for patients. And that particular degree is a nurse practitioner. Today, we're going to talk with Alexa Maestrone. She is an outpatient family nurse practitioner that works specifically with neurological surgery with NYU Langone Medical Center, both in Manhattan and Brooklyn. You're going to learn how a nurse practitioner is different from a physician as well as a physician assistant or PA. During this conversation, and which you'll soon learn, is that a nurse practitioner does a lot of quarterbacking, a lot of coordination of care for their surgical team. She does work intimately with office managers, the other nurses, the surgeons, other physicians, and it, she also works with PAs. PAs, I found um, in talking with Alexa after our recording, they are very skilled, um, but they also have a lot more focus on the technical aspects um, and technical skills in medicine, while a nurse practitioner is a bit more managerial, a little bit more management, and does definitely involves talking with patients in a wide breadth of different environments as well. In future episodes, I expect that we will soon get a, a number of PAs on this podcast so you can hear their perspective in this light. A little bit about Alexa. She went to college at Wagner College, where she got her nursing degree. She was also a nurse in the neurosurgical ICU as well as a private practice plastic surgery nurse in the office of Dr. David Hidalgo. She eventually got her nurse practitioner degree at Wagner College and is currently working, as I mentioned, at NYU as a nurse practitioner. Um, but let's let's finally get into this uh, recording. Hi, Alexa. How are you doing? Hi, Dr. Marn. I am well. Thank you for having me. All right. Call me Richard. <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting that. I was like, oh, you call me Richard all the time, and now you call me Dr. Marn. <laughs> sure. What do you do as a nurse practitioner? So I think it's very important to define the role of a nurse practitioner. So very plainly put, a nurse practitioner is basically an advanced practice nurse, either with a master's degree or with a doctorate. They manage the nursing as well as the medical care um, of an individual within a certain population. That can mean a lot of different things. There are various specialties such as women's health, family, pediatrics, etc. So it's very important to realize that, you know, that only takes part within a certain population. So because I'm a family nurse practitioner, it doesn't necessarily mean I would go and take care of neonates, but perhaps my specialty would be 
more adults and children with less complicated conditions. Do you have a subspecialty that you work in as a nurse practitioner? Yes, I work in uh, neurological surgery, so neurosurgery. And as a nurse practitioner, what do you do for these patients on a day-to-day basis? What do you do? What's your day like as an NP? So, for example, um, I work outpatient. Um, I think that what I do, you know, in terms of inpatient and outpatient work is that's very different as an APP or advanced practice provider. So I work outpatient and with my, a typical day looks like I arrive at the office, I review my patients on the schedule for the day and I make sure, you know, first off that I have enough time to be able to address the patient's needs within that allotted time. I also make sure that I have any consults and anything else that I may need in order to advise the patient appropriately. So that's very plainly put. In between, what we do is I uh, do a lot of reviewing of new patient requests. I contact those patients as well to make sure that they're seeing the appropriate specialist. I also return patient calls for medical advice and such during the perioperative period. And you do a lot of coordinating of care as a nurse practitioner. And I think that that's also really important um, to point out that a lot of nurse practitioners do that on a daily basis. What are the characteristics of an MP standout from a registered nurse, you know, the basic nursing degree? So a nurse practitioner In order to be a registered nurse, you can have an associate's degree or you can have a bachelor's degree, whereas to be a nurse practitioner, you either need to have a master's degree or you need a doctorate. Um, And that's just education, considering education. With regard to what I can do is I'm allowed to do everything that a registered nurse does, but I'm also permitted to diagnose and prescribe. Okay. And so how does a nurse practitioner differ then from a PA or an MD then? So in New York State, nurse practitioners are allowed to function after 3,600 hours without a collaborative agreement with a physician. So for instance, I could open up my own practice if I wanted to after 3,600 hours of practice under a collaborative agreement with a physician. So that's the um, cut and dry sort of way of putting that. I think that, um, you know, nurse practitioners and uh, PAs fundamentally are different in a lot of things. And I think that in terms of collaboration, we have a lot to bring to the table, which is why APP stands for Advanced Practice Provider. And it's sort of all-encompassing of physician assistant as well as nurse practitioners. Our main difference from a physician, if you will, is that um, physicians do not, they're not in charge of the nursing care, if you will. They are in charge of the medical care. I think that, you know, and I'm not a physician, so I wouldn't, you know, speak to what physicians do on a daily basis. But what I can say through my practice is that I notice that physicians tend to treat a lot of the disease processes whereas nurse practitioners tend to look at things in the whole picture. And what they can do is they actually, I think that one of the pros of 
being in my position is that we help to drive down some of the costs of healthcare and we know when to when our hand ends and we need to make a referral to a specialist such as yourself. I see. I see. Because as an MP you obviously get a lot more independence than a RN or an LPN or any other type of a, t- a typical nurse that we often envision. When you are, what are some of the problems in your specific specialty as an MP that you are helping patients with in the neurosurgical field? So neurosurgery encompasses brain surgery patients as well as spine surgery patients. Mm-hmm. You know that population. Basically, I'm taking care of them during the entire perioperative period. So from the time of consultation to post-op visits, to follow-up visits. We take care of them amongst the whole time and we are able to kind of manage them and see which medical doctors then they would need to see for their follow-up care. I tend to um, explain this to patients by saying neurosurgery where we are like the technicians of the brain and the spine. Mm. We perform an intervention and we'll manage you for that intervention but it's always important to establish very good primary care, regardless of who that um, provider is to you. And um, also to establish follow-up with a very good um, neurologist as well. So they can sort of take charge of the medical issues of what may be happening within the brain and the spine. Could you walk us through a certain patient that you maybe took care of that stands out that, uh, and how you helped them? Yes, absolutely. Recently, I had a younger patient, I would say probably late 30s. She's Mm -hmm. a single mother of four, and she had a first-time seizure. And she appeared to an outside hospital, not the hospital that I'm affiliated with. And she had imaging performed there, and they saw a rather large meningioma. That's a type of brain tumor. Mm -hmm. And it needed to be resected, which basically means to be taken out. So she wound up signing herself out of that particular hospital, AMA, or against medical advice. And she presented to my hospital for evaluation. There was a lot of coordination of care for her because she really did not have a very big support system afterwards. And the pathology revealed, you know, something that really needed to be followed very closely with surveillance imaging. So what you do with these particular patients is, you know, you have to, there's a lot of emotional care being rendered. Yeah. Um, And I think it's really important to remember that we as providers sometimes need to really slow down and realize that what we're treating is not only a disease process, but we're also treating a human who's going through this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you realize some of the um, psychological and emotional and socioeconomic things that are really all impact what this person is going through. And whether or not they have a good support system or not, I really think makes a, uh, a big difference in how well that they do. And I also think that it's important for us to just realize that some of these people do require 
a little bit more support mm-hmm. and uh, just to be patient and to offer that. And, you know, a lot of the times we, we become very, you know, friendly with our patients and which is a good thing because I really do feel that that is quite rewarding. Would you say that's the highlight of your job? Kind of making those connections with people? Are there other aspects of your job that really stand out that you really enjoy? Well, there are a number of things that I actually really enjoy about what I do. And, but I really, I feel that the relationships that I establish with my patient Mm -hmm. and I, with my patients in general, I think that that's probably the, the most rewarding thing. Or when they say, you know, Hey, you don't know what I was going through at that point, but because you said what you said, you made it that much easier for me. And I think that that's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, you definitely serve a very key role in the coordination of the care for the patient and kind of walk them through step-by-step, step, kind of hand-holding them a little bit mm-hmm. as you kind of go through that. Yes. And I think that um, I probably have a, a very good example that I can use yeah. to highlight the coordination of care. Um, for instance, we had a, a, a different patient who was an elderly woman never was a sick woman. She had no comorbidities. She had an episode of what we referred to as word salad, where Mm. she was speaking with one of her sons and all of a sudden gibberish just came out. About three weeks later, the same thing happened to her again. So she presented to her primary care physician for evaluation of this. At the time he had some imaging performed and he actually called my office in consultation to figure out what essentially to do with this now because of what he had found on the MRI of the brain that he had ordered as a primary physician. So I had a conversation with him regarding this. I let him know what this looked like on the imaging and that he should make the referral to my office and that we should you know, have a conversation with this patient about what to do next. We had met the patient in consultation the following week and she had the tumor um, resected with us the following week. Unfortunately, um, it revealed a very high grade tumor. Mm. It was not one of the quote unquote good ones to have, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, um, you know, she needed to go for some adjuvant radiation and chemo and things like that down the line. You know, and the patient, after consulting with oncology and finding out what the follow-up would need to be after her resection, made an appointment with my office and wanted to have a conversation with myself and the doctor and said that because we were the team who she initiated care with and who we started down the road together that she wanted to kind of see how we felt about what the um, suggestions were made yeah. or the suggestions that were made to her by oncology. Yeah. And, you know, I think that ultimately at that point, it was just a matter of saying, hi, I'm here to listen to you. And this is the information that was given to you by our respected colleagues and you know I can only help for 
to clarify some of this information if you need some help. But the ultimate decision is left to you in terms of what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Long story short, she decided to not pursue the chemotherapy. Really? And to not pursue the radiation. And she said that she had, she was an elderly woman in her late eighties, mid to late eighties. Yeah. Sharp, sharp as a tech. (laughs) She was. Kept you on your toes. (laughs) um, Yes, definitely. Could not get, could not pull a fast one by her at all. (laughs) And, um, she had said, I lived my full life Mm. and I appreciate you, you know, taking care of me, but I would like to, you know, just go home and figure out what I need in terms of my support system. And fortunately enough for her, she had four lovely sons who took care of her and who, you know, were taking care of her. And um, she was being managed by her primary care physician at home. I would say about six weeks after we had this conversation and she was home and I had not heard from her or her family, Hmm. I received a call from one of her sons and he had called my cell phone and he said, and this was in the thick of the COVID pandemic. So, you know, unfortunately there were a lot of people and specialties working rather short during that time. He had reached out to me and he said, listen, I know you are the one person who my mother trusted the most during this whole thing. She is in a position right now where she is not making any sense and she is at home and I don't know what to do. And I got a little bit more of the story from him in terms of what she looked like and what was happening. And I said, okay, give me an hour. I'll give you a call back. And I spoke to some folks over in hospice and I, I spoke to social work and a few other people and said, Hey, what do I need to do to get a patient into hospice at this time? Mm. And it was rather difficult at this particular time because of everything that was happening. And I had also never had to do something like that before, but you know, sometimes what we do is we, stick our necks out, you know, and try and do what we think that the patient would want us to do. And I helped to arrange for her to be admitted to hospice during the COVID pandemic. And we, you know, I received a call from her son probably a week after, and he kept in touch with me and just told me how thankful and grateful that he was at that point. And you know, that's not something that I would typically do. And that's not a typical occurrence. But I think that having that experience as a bedside nurse and understanding how patients are overall and realizing, you know, from going from a bedside ICU nurse to now being an outpatient neurosurge nurse and realizing that there's care and levels of care that are needed across the lifespan. I felt very rewarded in that moment when he said that you helped my family during a difficult time. And it's also an emotional thing for me to even discuss. Very vulnerable period too, you know, Mm -hmm. where um, people are are really kind of yearning for a, a helping hand and help. 
And that's awesome. I think that's great that you were able to comfort them during that time and mm-hmm. kind of just coordinate things that, you know, for a lot of people, they just don't have access to, to good care. And I'm, I think that's great. What misconceptions do people have about your career? I think that one of the biggest misconceptions might be that nurse practitioners do everything that the MD tells them to do or that the physician tells them to do. Mm-hmm. I think that it's probably most important to point out that it's more of a collaboration and it's more of a collaborative effort. And I would say that the relationship that I have with the two surgeons that I work with now, it's more about me addressing any issue or issues that may be at hand and formulating a solution to that and then running it by them and making sure that that is the appropriate intervention. How would you describe your work-life balance as a nurse practitioner? I think that the work-life balance as a nurse practitioner is pretty good. I think that that depends upon what type of person you are. I know some people who, as soon as it turns five o'clock, they're able to turn it off. Mm. I don't think, I'm not sure that regardless of whatever position that I've held in my life, whether it be RN, nurse practitioner, or, you know, friend, (laughs) child, what have you, I'm not able to turn that part of myself off because I, that's such a part of my identity. Mm. And I am definitely one of those people who checks their emails at, 1am to make sure that nobody needs anything at that moment. Well, I mean, for your patients, that's good news. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. You know, I mean, for for my patients, it's good news. You know, for my practice, it's definitely good. Um, But that's a choice that I make. I don't think that every person needs to do that. And I also am in a position where I have very I have a very good support system My from my secretary to my office manager to the cranial and the spine surgeons that I work with, my inpatient team who is run by a PA, staffed by PAs. Yeah. These are all of my collaborators. And I have to say that we really have an A plus team and it makes things pretty seamless. And I think that it's just really um, me and myself that feels that I, you know, I feel that I need to always be aware of what is happening. I could probably turn it off at a certain hour. I choose not to because I would rather be ahead. I'd rather know what my team needs from me before they even think that they or feel that they need something. I would rather anticipate it and be ahead of the curve. You know, thinking about your profession and its outlook. Do you recommend this career to students? I would absolutely recommend this career to students. Um, I think that it's something that is extremely rewarding. And if you strike gold, like I did, I got very lucky. That in terms of people who you're working with? In, P- in terms of people that I'm working with, you know, sometimes the healthcare system can be a difficult system to navigate. Mm -hmm. regardless of the title that you hold. But 
if you have a good team that you are with and a good support system, I can say I have never felt embarrassed or ashamed to say I don't know something. And I think that that's mm-hmm. probably something that, you know, you recognize or within time that you have to be really aware of what you don't know and be okay with saying those things and know where your hand ends and where somebody else's hand might begin because we're all there for one common reason and that's for the benefit of the patient of course yeah understanding your limits and knowing when to ask for help correct yeah. yes what do you think the future outlook is like for your profession as a nurse practitioner is it growing steady staying steady is it on a what do you think about the outlook for your profession i think that the nurse practitioner the the role in general uh, it is definitely expanding. There are plenty of more nurse practitioners every year. Mm. Nurse practitioners in general, um, I think that I really firmly feel that it is a great career. It definitely looks at the patient as a whole. You're not treating any one thing in general. We're definitely helping to expand accessibility to good care as well as driving down a lot of healthcare costs. And I think that with a lot of good prevention and preventative care and efforts, that's probably, um, you know, we're only going to benefit patients and it will definitely be more appealing in the long term, and more people will be, you know, looking into this career once they are able to find out what we do, right? Yeah. And then you can also do, as you mentioned, going to a lot of different other subspecialties, not just nurse surgery. You can do family practice, pediatrics, cardiac. You know, um, there's a lot of different oncology, a lot of different ways you can go and utilize your NP degree. So, for instance, my one of my best friends who I went to nursing school with, so I did my bachelor's degree with her. Mm-hmm. And we also did um, our master's degree together. She is the not only the cardiology nurse practitioner at NYU, she is a preventative cardiology nurse practitioner at NYU. So she makes a, um, a lot of assessments and helps to recognize various risk factors for her patient populations. I want to talk a little bit about how you got to where you're at. Sure. When you when you were in high school, were you always you were already thinking about being an NP or a nurse? I was not. I will be totally honest with you. I was not. I knew that I wanted to help people. I did not know in what capacity I wanted to do that. I was definitely not one of those 15-year-olds who said, hey, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life, you know? I know that there are some people, you know, they wake up, they say, hey, I want to be a fireman or, hey, I want to be a doctor. I didn't know. I just knew, you know, my my grandfather, for instance, um, was a doctor of uh, veterinary medicine, and he was senior microbiologist for a very well-known pharmaceutical agency. And I knew that I was always very interested in the sciences because of him. I just didn't know in which capacity. And I knew that I wanted to help people. Okay. When I 
applied to college, I started considering becoming a physician. And I started volunteering in a hospital system when I was 18 years old. And I got to observe what the different disciplines did and just exactly the roles that they played in the, you know, in the life of the patient, if you will. And I got to see that the nurses were there mostly with the patients. Mm -hmm. And I got to see how valued these nurses were by, you know, other members of the staff, such as the advanced practice providers and the physicians around, because, you know, I can even say through the, my hours when I was in nurse practitioner school, I relied so heavily on those nurses to be able to tell me what was happening with my patient at that point in time. I could have been covering 20 patients on any particular day, Mm. but those nurses had four patients and they were with them for 12 and a half hours. I relied so heavily on them and their assessment skills at that point in time. So, you know, when I was, volunteering and I realized, you know, the relationships and the bonds that were formed, I said, Hey, I'm going to switch from chemistry to nursing. And I switched to nursing and I, that required me taking classes one summer. So this way I could graduate on time Yeah, because although I had my chemistry, I didn't have a nutrition and an AMP, so anatomy and physiology. All these other prerequisites, you mean? For the nursing program. Yeah, yeah. Whereas a lot of those things are, you know, physicians do them in med school a lot of the time. Got so it. they're not, uh, they're, it's not all the same prerequisites, even though, it, you know, they're two health science degrees. Reflecting back, would you have done anything differently? Looking back... I think that the only thing that I would have done differently, I would have taken more time to look into scholarships that are available to people looking into the health sciences. As we both know, it's a number of years in school, and school is very expensive. And I probably should have at my as my you know 18 year old self I probably should have looked into the different money that's available because there's a lot of it out there nobody's going to hand it to you but if you look for it you can get it before we end I have uh, what we call rapid fire questions okay you know usually yes or no questions or maybe a short answer um you ready yes all right What's the fastest speed you've ever driven in a car? Ooh, pass. <laughs> We're not asking for a date and time. <laughs> All right. 120. 120. <laughs> in the United States? On a track. On a track. In a oh, Ferrari. Nice. Wow. <laughs> that is... All right. I'm, I got to find out more later on. From <laughs> 1 to 10, how hot do you like your shower water? A 12. 12? Steaming. Wow. Okay. <laughs> What's something you could eat for a week straight? Grilled salmon. Grilled salmon. 
All right. Um, high school, awesome or terrible? Best years of my life. Beaches or snow? Beach. If you could ask God one question, what would it be? Why me? Why me? And if you were stranded on a tropical island, what two things would you want with you? My cell phone. Your cell phone, okay. And a hatchet. (laughs) Where can listeners go to reach you and learn more about you? So the best way to do that would be through you, Richard. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Just go through my website. Absolutely. And All right. I am always willing to speak with anyone who might consider a career as a nurse practitioner. I think that it's a great career and, you know, I would be happy. I, I want to appreciate, I really appreciate you coming on board and, and sharing your experiences as a nurse practitioner. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Richard. All right, everyone. That's our show today. To learn more about today's guest mentioned in today's interview, visit healthcareerswithdrmarn.com or hcwithdrmarn.com. Of course, if you like what you heard on the podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast app. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your support and catch you next time.